maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions on babies and weddings all at once, a roommate who thinks your kitchenware is hers and she wants it back, a manager who dumps a problem back on your plate, asking folks for addresses in the digital age, and how to get your bridesmaids to choose modest dresses. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on 24-7 Etiquette. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post Senning. And we're finally back together. It's so good to see you. <laughs> I missed you guys. I missed you too. It's been like a month and a half. We had like two days in the office together and then boom, we're separated again. Two days? It was like four, three hours. Three hours. It was like nothing. It was great. <laughs> but you played host to my lovely wife. I did. She was such a great co-host. I had a ton of fun. I can't wait to show you the picture of us high-fiving. It was awesome. great. <laughs> um, no, it was really a delight. We got to talk about the whole hugging thing, which I was really stoked about. And it was just really nice. You know I love your wife very much. And so get to getting to do this show with her perspective as a therapist, um, I just felt was awesome. <laughs> Well, well done. Thank you for holding down the fort. <laughs> it is so good to be back. I'm loving it. What the heck else are we going to talk about? How was your trip? Yes. How was your... Thank you. Okay. So I want to know. I mean, we've prepped people for what you were going to go do. How was it? We were working with a new a new team, a new project, a new everything. I don't think you've ever been to Seattle. Okay. So first of all, the yeah. last time I've been to Seattle was like 15 years ago. Oh, okay. So you have. I'd gone on a, a personal trip. It was sort of a fun personal trip. My father had been finishing a cross-country bike ride. Oh, sweet. It was the beginning of my parents' long-distance biking... Totally. ...obsession. <laughs> so it, it took me back in time to this this other stage of my <laughs> life and experience. Um, really fun to see that city. Great city. It's grown up a lot Has this, it? in the last 15 years, like yeah. literally taller. <laughs> um, but it was also nice to be there in a different capacity. I was working with Creative Live yeah. and they produce online instructional videos and we were doing a live version of the business seminars that I often do and our first ever online dining instruction. So cool. What I love about Creative Live is that you perform your seminar live just like you would to an audience and everything. I mean, it's Dan in all his seminar presenting glory. He's blushing red. I'm going to keep talking about how great you are, cuz. And it's awesome because then they break it down afterwards, after they've presented it live for free for folks who are using Creative Live. They then make it available for purchase. And this is going to mean that you as an individual audience listeners can finally take one of Dan Post Setting's awesome business etiquette seminars. It's something that I enjoy doing. Teaching etiquette in person is yes. one of my favorite things. And this was a, a video production company that works on capturing that experience. And of course, I was very nervous going into it. <laughs> I don't it. believe it. You guys need to see Dan present. I'm really hoping y'all will join us on the Creative Live platform because Dan presenting is truly a treat. <laughs> well, okay. So they've got free previews up. You can go Take watch if okay. you're curious okay. and, and get a sample. It's 
a difficult thing to watch yourself do anything. <laughs> so I've gone back and I've watched it and I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm okay with Good. it. It's I also, of course, anytime you see yourself do something, you think to yourself, boy, I could do this better. Yeah. And I think of it as sort of a first step into this world a little bit, but I think it's a good first step. Awesome. I'm so excited. This has been in the works for almost a year now. Yeah. And so it's really exciting. I can't wait to see what you produced out there last week. Well, my dad was asking me, so how did this happen? How did this get started? <laughs> I was talking to him about the trip to Seattle. It was his bike ride. And yeah. I said it was Lizzie Post. It was a contact that you had made initially with the Creative Live they, group that you sort of developed and fostered. It turned out that really probably some of the content I present was what they were looking for. But absolutely. really, you started this relationship. This was one of those, um, you know, you get one one of those emails that looks like a form letter sales email, but there was something about it that made me say, I'm going to respond to this one. Dan and I make sure that we we do. We can't do every single one because we get a lot, but every now and again, you're able to respond to something that doesn't look like very much of anything. And the guy that I got on the phone from Creative Live, Justin, was just so great and really worked with me, like listened to our company and our company's history with online education and really did an amazing job of sticking with us and believing in Emily Post content. He reached out because he was a fan of Emily Post and knew that Emily Post was a trusted source that they could work with to be able to deliver etiquette content. And I, I definitely pay attention when someone says, I'm familiar with your company. I think you'd be great for what we're doing. And sure enough, it all worked out. And I'm, I'm really excited to be able to offer this to our audience. We have not been able to do individually um, done seminars. I don't know how else to phrase that. Yeah, Sorry. No. Good work pulling on that thread <laughs> and sort of seeing where it leads. Exactly. You never know. I'm just thrilled, though. I knew you were going to be stellar at this. I know that doing something new and different is always a challenge. Dan Post Senning has never been someone to shy away from a challenge, so it was really fun um, to, to see you come back with such a big smile on your face. We're going to get you out there next. <laughs> Before we do that, In the meantime, why don't we take this show and answer some of our wonderful audience's questions? Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Our first question is titled, Baby Bumps Wedding, and it comes from Sarah on Facebook. Hi, hi. I'm hoping you can help me with a registry question for a friend. After getting engaged and starting to plan her wedding, my best friend found out she was pregnant. She and her partner had already been toying with the idea of eloping, and the expected costs of a baby sealed the deal for an elopement. She plans to send out an announcement and then baby announcements a few months later, but we don't know how to best organize the registry. Does she have one or two? Does she mention it in both announcements? Help! Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for the question. First of all, to your friend, double congratulations. Double congratulations. And in answer to your question, this is one where there's some pretty clear guidance that etiquette will give and can offer. And it's one of those places where I like to refer to that traditional etiquette because it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. 
you are absolutely correct in your language that you're going to be talking about an announcement when it comes to this wedding. And typically announcements don't contain registry information. You're just letting people know that the wedding happened. You're not inviting them to the wedding. So that expectation of a gift isn't part of that announcement experience. Yes. These are not things that go together, registry info and announcements. Some people may feel inspired to send a little something. This is not uncommon when people receive a wedding announcement. They get so excited that they want to share. They want to give you a little something. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I would have my thank you notes ready, but I definitely, like Cousin Lizzie says, would not include that registry information. Right. Now, when it comes to the idea of a baby shower and a baby announcement, again, for baby announcement, you don't put registry information on a baby announcement. What you still can absolutely do is have a baby shower. And I would encourage your friend to do this. This is a great time to help you get set up for baby, celebrate all this wonderful good news. As one of our uh, listeners wrote in the other week, it's also about being showered with love and support. And this particular couple went the elopement route on the the wedding version of that love and support from, from friends and family. So I say, eat it up with the baby. Come on, like, go for it. Have that baby shower. Celebrate with your friends and family. And that is an invitation that you can put registry info on. That's okay for a baby shower. What I would not do is um, send out an announcement for the baby with registry information on it. Because again, then you're kind of skipping the come and shower and celebrate with me and saying, we did this, please give us gifts. And your friend just does not sound like the type of person who wants to put that intention out there. (laughs) So to conclude, I would also say that the announcement, they could be separate or they could be together. I kind of think give each its own and send out separate ones. If if cost is a big concern or if timing is a big concern, you could simply just send out announcements for both. Just remember that the announcement for the baby usually comes after the baby has been born. So you might do one for both that comes after the birth of the baby or you could do separate. I like it. (laughs) Me too, Sarah. We hope that this helps and that you have a wonderful time celebrating your friends' life milestones. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, We here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. 
Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our next question begins, you stole my pan. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. Big fan of the show, but I was wondering how to handle a sticky situation regarding my roommate. I've had many roommates since being at college, third year, and have usually been able to handle difficult moments. However, this one has me stumped. My roommate and I have shared my dishes for the full year we have lived together, and I recently moved out. I am out of state, and my stuff is in a storage locker, and she messaged me claiming I stole her pan. The pan in question was given to me by my grandma last Christmas, but she has been using it every day. She messaged me demanding I either send her the pan, which I can't because it is in another state in a storage locker, or send her money for it. I'm gobsmacked on how to respond. Do you have any advice for how to handle this situation? It would be much appreciated. Thank you. Stephanie, oh my goodness. This is a difficult one. Um, This is one where I straight up said to Dan, so this is really hard. I mean, what do you do? You tell someone like, um, the pan you're thinking about, my grandmother actually gave to me, so I'm not going to send you that one. But if there's a different pan that you're thinking of, I am sure once I have access to that storage locker, I can give a look around for you. I don't know how to hand how do how do you handle it, Dan, when someone else thinks something is theirs and it wasn't? Like I had someone walk off with one of my air conditioners and I was just like, air conditioner gone. I'm just not gonna try to fight her on that one. Like the look of puzzlement on your face is truly a delight. <laughs> well, I still live with roommates, so I still deal with this stuff every now and again and I'm just like Oh my gosh, like girlfriend let it go. Like but 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 she's not the one we have to tell to let it go. This is the one dealing with it. Well that that's sort of part of the answer that is formulating in my mind okay, as I what read have this you got? question. Give it to me. Well, so my first thought is memory is such a strange device. It is so <laughs> imperfect and I remember being uh, in, in my teen years wishing I had a rewind so that when my brother and I got in fights oh, about yes. who said what or what had been told to us as to what the rule was that we could go back and actually check. Right, because right? so often people's memories of things are different. We say that to each other at the Institute all the time. I'm like, OK, so I think this is how it went. But let's remember that memory is fallible. And I could be wrong here. I might be wrong. I mean, how many times do I walk into your office saying that? We could talk about models of consciousness and the information processing model, but our minds are not computers. They do not record and store information precisely, and this kind of thing does happen. And in this case, it sounds like the person who's asking us this question has a pretty firm connection. There's a story. They, they've they got something that connects them to this <laughs> pan. pan. It was given by a grandmother, and at the same time, I see an awareness of the way that maybe someone else's oh, connection, yeah. they, they used it every day. Maybe they started to think of it as theirs. Maybe they thought it was one of those things that we... You've lived together for over a year wired now. together. We each brought our stuff and it mingled. And now mm-hmm. as we're pulling apart, it's a mistake and yet a an understandable mistake. Yeah, totally. For me, the bigger offense mm-hmm. comes from the accusation of stealing. Oh, I know, right? And to me, that's where I, I, I want to start to tease out and find an answer and approach here because a pan, even one given 
by your grandmother mm-hmm. is still just a pan. But being accused of stealing is actually in some ways a bigger offense to me. Yeah. And the way I think about responding, I, I start to think about acknowledging those two things and really trying to – I wouldn't say handle or address them, but like keeping them separate in my mind so that I don't conflate them and start arguing about a pan as if I've been accused of stealing, if that makes sense. Okay, you want to tease out stealing. Can I can I raise a couple points before we do? Please. We don't actually know if the roommate used the word stealing when texting Stephanie about it. Like we don't know if that's just Stephanie's interpretation or if that was the actual word used. But I'm hearing you yeah. that that this kind of does become two things. The pan is one thing, but then hey hey girl, you're calling me out on stealing stuff. That feels a little harsh. Like We want to make sure that's actually what's being – like that it's this negative, that it's this like bad. I feel like you're demanding that I rectify the situation. To me, this is one of those moments where it's time to to get in touch, time to talk to somebody who you lived with, that you want to pick up the phone and give a call or send a message saying that you'd like to talk and resolve it and then give yourself that opportunity to bring as many of your personal skills to bear on the situation as possible. (laughs) And I think that's the sound of your voice. Um, And that starts to introduce the accountability of empathy as you're both dealing with each other. And I think it's a two-way street. It'll work well for you. I'm amazed at how Stephanie's tone of voice has the potential to pacify the situation, that when her roommate hears her respond to this with a calm and easy, hey, I got your message about the frying pan and was a little confused, just wanted to talk it out with you. All of a sudden, it's like what? What can you know? What I like can the, the I like roommate what I'm hearing do? Here. Right? Yeah. It's like the roommate can't be like rah rah rah. rah. I mean, maybe she will, but rah, 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 rah. but it's, it's less like, likely. Less likely, exactly. So, uh, as far as the structure of that conversation, I think you have a lot of options as far as how deep into this you want to get. But I do think that you can tell someone what you think. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you just said. I'm a little confused. The way I remember that pan was a gift from my grandmother last. Yeah. Christmas, she gave me this as part of us. Whatever it is that that, that, is there that fills out that, that memory be? exactly. <laughs> you can also tell her how you feel mm-hmm. if you want to go there. I was a little surprised to hear that you thought I'd run off with something of yours, or at at the what felt to me as the demand that I rectify the situation. Whatever that language was, I think that you can acknowledge the feelings that you had in response yeah. to that, yeah. and. See what happens. I think you also want to be prepared to listen. We yep. acknowledged at the start of this question that memory is a very – maybe she has a memory that connects her to this pan. Maybe you're – She's clearly coming from it from a place of emotional attachment to this. It's hard not to smile when you say it because – I, know, I know. But it's amazing how attached we get to anything and yeah. also be ready to compromise that part of that discussion and that dialogue. And I think that as you prepare yourself for how you're going to navigate the listening and the compromise – If you remind yourself ahead of time to keep it practical, Mm -hmm. that no, you're not going to spend more time and money mailing a pan than you would paying to replace it. (laughs) That worst case situation of this relationship is deteriorated to the point where you have to buy someone a new pan. Or you You, just don't care about the pan anymore. (laughs) uh, You might just do that. You might be able to seed the pan when you get to it next, when you return (laughs) to that state. Or you might result – she might say, you know, boy – I didn't realize that that this pan was yours and you clearly have a memory about that is more... It's kind. I hope, Dan, I hope where you're going with that is that that will happen. It's tough when me, you're like a lot of people hold on to what to yep. whatever it was that they were accusing someone of. It's like they can't do the thing in the moment of saying, 
oh my gosh, I really am wrong about that. Sorry, dude. They don't think they'll be forgiven. They don't, they, they think they were so justified they have to stick to it even if they are wrong. And and Stephanie, that might happen in this situation. And it's it's okay too if that happens and you just have to say, okay, this is a wash. Like clearly we're not speaking the same language. I did have a thought for moving forward. However this conversation goes, I think if Stephanie can remain like easy breezy about it, like we'll figure this out or we won't either way. But if there's other stuff in the future that you remember from when we lived together, feel free to ask me about it because stuff stuff gets into bins. It gets into bags. It like things do happen where you, you're not realizing you have that fork that was someone's fork or you're not realizing you had that it used to be CDs or albums, you know, but inviting someone to contact you again, if there is something that they're concerned about, I think that. It, it reminds them of the generosity of spirit that Dan's always speaking about that you have. And even if the call doesn't go well, offering that up at the end might be a way that a couple days later, you might have someone who's just a little more understanding. They're not in the moment. They're not being told they're wrong about something. I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful here. I'm hopeful. In my notes yeah, for this question, <laughs> I had said, be ready to listen, be ready to compromise, be ready for the kitchen sink. Oh, my goodness. And... <laughs> By the kitchen sink, what I mean is that you something might come out of left field here. This also might be about more than the pan. Like, <laughs> that, the wormhole might open here. <laughs> you never turned your light off when we were living together oh, no. and it kept oh, me awake no. for a semester. If if it is something like that also, I think that tone that you're talking about, that reminder to yourself to to find a positive way to wrap it up and to, to hear whatever happens but also to, to keep your composure I think is going to be really helpful. Absolutely. Stephanie, we hope that this helps. We think that by addressing the situation with a calm tone and stating what it is that you remember about this particular pan, inviting the options for it to be a different pan that we're talking about are the ways to at least start this conversation and then feel it out as you go along. Try to figure out where your your former roommate's at. Figure out how much the pan or the money mean to you. Figure out how willing you are to, to help her try and see the situation the way you do. You've got options, which is why you're hearing us not give you one direct path. But see what comes back at you as you open yourself up to this conversation. And we really hope that you're not in the fire when you're out of this frying pan. No? Is that too bad? Is that just too cheesy? Did Is it too twisted? No? <laughs> Quick, let's move on to a new question before I tell another bad joke. <laughs> This is another tricky one. You do it. No, you do it. Okay, Dan, I am totally giving you this one because just like the hugging thing last week, this is where our advice doesn't work. So let's try and solve it. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I hope you're enjoying a beautiful winter in Vermont. I can say categorically that we are. I want more snow. It is March 2nd right now. I want more snow. Give me one more nice, fluffy, I think Wednesday might be our day. Yeah, exactly. I am writing to you about a stinky situation at work. A coworker has told me that another coworker has some poor hygiene habits that cause her to leave an odor behind at work. She is frustrated because she has told our manager about the situation and the manager has done nothing because she cannot smell the offensive odor. Our manager said the responsibility lies with my non-smelly coworker to inform the smelly one that she needs to make some changes. What? 
Whose responsibility is it to deliver the bad news? Or should the situation be left alone entirely? What is to be done about this situation in a business setting? We work in close quarters with customers on a daily basis. Thanks for your input, M. Okay, so M has done the thing we're supposed to tell people to do, right? Which is go to management. Like this, this you, we don't know. Dan, what do they do? I, it's so awkward. So this question's hard for me because right. it's a little hard for my reply not to be too automatic. Right. Because this is one of the example difficult situations we often talk about in our business problem solving workshops. Yeah. A coworker with a personal hygiene issue is not an uncommon difficult situation. And navigating that very awkward conversation or frankly the bigger question of what you do, how you deal with it is – a genuine question. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And the, the, I mean, you know me. I'm always running to management. I'm always running to the establishment to deal with it. <laughs> and there are studies that show that many people would rather hear about something like this from a coworker, a friend, a colleague than from a boss, a supervisor, oh a superior gosh. or someone in <laughs> HR. That is an option. That is what those people are. Therefore, in a lot of ways, they are the people withstanding to address a situation. That's where my thought comes from, and it, that's what I've got in the notes and down And oftentimes yeah. that's the etiquette advice that we give, yeah. that, that frankly rude behavior is oftentimes in that marginal territory where you don't want to confront someone about it, that you're not likely to get a good reply. Can I ask you a question? Let's do it. Okay. So what I was worried about is that clearly the manager has said, this is your issue. I can't see a problem. You deal with it if it's really that big a deal to you. And fair enough. Sure. We've heard that from managers before. Mm -hmm. So let's say you go and deal with it mm -hmm. and you talk with smelly coworker and smelly coworker says back to you, like ends up being really upset and offended that a, a person on their same level is trying to micromanage their hygiene. And then they find out that this has now already been talked about between manager yep. and non-smelly coworker, a manager advised non-smelly coworker to deal with it. To me, this feels really awkward all of a sudden. Like, oh, great. So you've been talking about how smelly I am behind my back and the manager won't deal with it. So you, I would just feel like that is an HR mess. Am I, HR folks, please call and tell me if I'm wrong or if this is normal. We, are in a very small company, Dan and I, if one of us smells, we have to tell the other one, you know? In fact, I mean, we've like, asked each other. We do. The, like, we have coffee breath permissions and body odor and zit and long hair permissions. Like, <laughs> um, but, I mean, I could see it going really messy if you do mm -hmm. address it. So what do you do? So in some ways, yeah. I want to apply the broccoli on the tooth rule. Okay. That if you can help someone avoid awkward or difficult or embarrassing situations by addressing something that's awkward, difficult or embarrassing, many people will thank you for it if you can approach it in that spirit. That's true. And I think that finding that spirit, that broccoli on the tooth spirit is where my first most positive answer comes from. So how do you do that? How do you make explicit in your behaviors and your decision making that that's the way you want to approach this? Well, I like to think of a sort of a little task list okay. for having these awkward conversations. Just go for it. First thought, you want to prime the person for it. Okay. Ask them permission to have the conversation. There's something a little awkward I was hoping to talk to you about. Is now a good time? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Awkwardly? <laughs> Believe no. it or not, they've now given you permission to say something a little awkward or difficult to them. That's a tactic. That's a strategy. I like it. The other thing that you want to do is you want to avoid embarrassing the person. Your goal is to correct or help this other person, to correct the situation by helping the other person not to embarrass them. So would you state that that's what you want to do? Like, you, my goal here is to be helpful. 
make that explicit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Say it with your words. Don't assume someone else is going to understand your good intentions. Do it in private. Don't do it oh, in yeah. front of other people. Oh, make yeah. an effort to give them a chance to hear you well. Prime them. Ask to have the conversation in private or just have it in private. Make your good intentions explicit. I care about you. I care about your success and our success here as a team. If the shoe were on the other foot, I hope you would feel comfortable talking to me about something like this. Assume their honesty and their intelligence. Assume that they might not know about this. You don't Mm -hmm. smell your own bad breath. You don't smell your own body odor. The situation where you helped me with something like this, I had a new dresser, a new antique dresser, and my undershirt smelled like an antique dresser. And you told me, I'm smelling something different around you. You, I know. I didn't know how to say it. It's not always a body odor question. It could be a a whole range of possibilities. And it doesn't mean someone doesn't have good (laughs) grooming habits or they weren't raised well or they don't care. They've changed their exercise routine. Routine. It could be all kinds of things and that explicit and specific language. You may not be aware of this, but – and then be clear about what it is. Someone has if, – if it's you who smelled it, I mm-hmm. have noticed something. Yeah. Um, if Aroma someone... tends to be a softer word than odor, just so you know. Like, like little things like that, paying attention to the words you use, going to make a big difference here. Yep. And then you make it as clear as possible and you and you say that thing, you address that thing. And if they aren't prepared to hear it, don't push the issue. Don't demand a solution or a reply or a response in the moment. Be ready to say what you need to say and then be ready to give them some time to make their decision about how they're going to deal with that situation or not deal with it. And then know your bottom line. You could always go back to the manager, talk to the manager again. If this is something that's really affecting the business or coworkers, Mm -hmm. you can say, listen, I've tried having this conversation or I'm really not comfortable having this conversation, but I think it's an issue. It's an issue for me. And you can have that that conversation again with more sort of care or seriousness, whatever it takes. And you're not the only person who's noticed it. So even though this manager hasn't noticed it, I think this is one of those cases where it might be the two of you saying, listen, we we have noticed this. We really don't feel comfortable having this conversation, but we are worried that the impact on clients could be there. You can talk more about it with the manager. You might still get the same answer if you deal with it. I'm not going to deal with this. But at least you've brought it up with now a second person being able to say, this this really is real. It's it's true. And we're hoping that you could help us with this situation. I'm thinking of things when you actually deliver it to the person, saying things like, like we said, I wouldn't use the word odor. I said, there is a certain aroma. I'm not sure if it's coming from clothes or hair product or body, but it is present. And I wanted you to be aware of it just because I know that it can affect working with folks in the type of proximity that we do. And I would want you to tell me if if the situation were reversed, because we're all here to make the most amount of sales that we can. Whatever it is, I feel like not saying you smell or, you know, you have an offensive odor. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Because even that can be not comfortable. But identifying that there are lots of places this could come from, because you aren't sure. You don't know exactly what this odor is. I like the sample scripts yeah. you're developing. And it's reminding me that it's important to practice. Oh, my gosh, Go ahead, yes. say it out loud to yourself a couple of times. This is a genuinely awkward conversation. I'm trying to remember what it is exactly that you said to me. I think I said, because there's a, there, I probably did use the word odor now that I think about it. 
There's an odor I'm I'm noticing. I've smelled it before in my old closet, and I call it old closet smell. And it's when things have been like in your drawers or in your closet for too long, and all of a sudden there's this smell about them, and you got to wash them to get it out. And hopefully, the reply that you get is going to be something like the one Lizzie got for me, which was, "I've got a new dresser. Thank you for telling me. It's time for some potpourri." You do the best one because you always go, "Oh my gosh, no! Is this happening?" And it's like. It's so refreshing to talk, and it's it's built a lot of trust with us being able to say these things to each other because of the way Dan receives it. And I would say, as Awesome Etiquette listeners, consider that when someone approaches you with something, that you can remember Dan's smelly closet clothes or my, I don't know, errant hair on my cheek or something like that. And that when you're able to receive a helpful correction like this, that you you truly receive it with that spirit of generosity and say, you know, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I know that's not an easy thing to tell somebody. So think broccoli on the tooth. Yes. And dive in. Most people would rather hear about it from a coworker, colleague, or friend than they would from that supervisor. Good luck. This is by definition a difficult or awkward situation. You smell sweet. Yes, sweeter than you used to be. Sweeter than you used to be. Sweeter than you used to be. You'll be neat. Yes, neater than you used to be when you get rid of the old. When you get rid of the old. When you get rid of the This next question is about requesting contact info, please. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I am wondering how to gather mailing addresses for thank you notes. Often when people do something for you, their neighbors, friends, acquaintances, or coworkers, their mailing addresses are not readily available in this culture of technology, but your relationship with them is important enough that they are there for you in good times and bad. And if they are helping you, it may indicate that you really aren't in any shape to be tracking down this information. Thanks so much for the great podcast. I look forward to it every week. Martha in Montpelier, Vermont, our charming little state capital. I need to go to Montpelier more. It's such a good time, and I really like the people I meet there. Okay, Martha, so thank you. Hopefully in my many ventures down to Montpelier and then coming back, I will cross paths with you. But I think that this is a great question. In in the digital age, I know that I don't run around like immediately getting phone number, physical address, and email from people that I interact with. Often I just have that cell phone number. I don't think I even keep a white pages phone book like my parents used oh my to gosh, keep no. anymore. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. It's So I think that this is a, really a great question in the digital age. Really simple. You just simply reach out to people and ask for their address. You could say something like, Pam, I'd love to get your address. I'm a fan of sending snail mail from time to time. You don't even have to say why. It doesn't have to be for my Christmas cards. It doesn't have to be for summer well wishes. It doesn't have to be for favors or thank you notes or anything. It can just be because you like to send things in the mail sometimes. <laughs> I like the idea of doing this ahead of time. Yes. As is pointed out in this question, oftentimes that moment when you want to do it isn't always the easiest moment or it would require doing this with enough people that it starts to feel like a bigger task right. than you're going to be able to tackle or take on. So this idea of developing And we all have these incredible devices or many of us have these incredible Mm -hmm. devices that have contact management built into them. You can add addresses to contacts and phones. 
But also a lot of people start to keep a spreadsheet. They start to keep some kind of document. I know. I did total not. Dork. I'm sorry. I'm like giving Dan this look across the mic like, what are you talking about, you ancient man? Like, you really keep a spreadsheet? It's on your phone. The thing like connects to your computer. It creates its own contact system. So somewhere in between that white pages <laughs> and use of your phone's yeah. contact management system. I'm totally just teasing you, by the way. If a spreadsheet works for you, use it. And it yeah. can. And one of the things that I like about it is that you've got all that information ahead of time. So mm-hmm. when the moment arrives, it's relatively easy to grab it and send those cards, those notes, those thanks. So what you're saying is when you exchange phone numbers with somebody, that's the time to say, hey, let me get your address too, just in case I want to mail you something. Like, it's that simple. I mean, it's really that simple. Yeah. Or use your wedding, the next holiday, the next event to start to gather those addresses because they come in really handy and Mm -hmm. they equip you to then use those relationship building tools, those handwritten notes as you proceed, as you move into the great and wonderful future with these people. Well, and in that future, my friend Beezer used a um, used some I, – I wish I knew what website it was, but it's some kind of an address collecting website where for his wedding before they sent out Save the Dates, I received an email that said, hey, Brent's trying to collect your mailing address for an upcoming event. And then it let me put it in, and I think it gives it – to him in some kind of a spreadsheet layout that's really easy for him to then use and and send out a mass mailing. Martha, you should feel totally confident at any point in time asking a friend or acquaintance for their address in order to send them something. And it's fine to just say, just so that I have it to send you a little something in the future. This next question is about bridesmaids needing to bring it in. Yeah, we got to resume huddle here. This question begins, Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm getting married in August. Congratulations. And I've just finished proposing to my bridesmaids. Uh, For those of you that don't know, there is kind of a a trend going on where when you ask your bridal party to be your bridal party, you sort of propose the idea to them. I love this acknowledgement of what an ask it is. It's cute. It's fun. Yeah. Because my fiancé and I are having a fairly short engagement and most of the wedding party is from out of state, I decided to send the girls fabric swatches of our wedding colors and let them choose their own dress. This will also help because the girls have very different body types, so it would be difficult to find a dress that they all feel great in. So my question is... How much control can I have over what they wear? I really don't mind if they wear dresses in different styles or shades, but my fiancé and I, as well as his family, are fairly conservative. And some of the dress options the ladies are sending me don't quite fit in with the standard of modesty that I personally uphold. And and that uphold. And that I think would offend his family. I don't think my modesty guidelines are too extreme. I would just like to ask them to stay away from things like open backs, dramatic slits, and plunging necklines. The whole purpose of letting them pick their own dresses was to make things easier on them. I know it will be harder to find a dress that meets this criteria. Am I asking too much by giving them these guidelines? Thank you so much for all of your help. You have taught me so much over the years. Sincerely, don't want to be a bridezilla. I don't think you're being a bridezilla. I'm just going to say that. Like, this is not angst, worry territory here. It doesn't sound like it to me either. I think the spirit with which you have the next conversation will go a long way towards continuing to maintain that impression. Absolutely. And it is totally okay to call the girls and let them know that 
you know, this is your first time directing attire traffic. And while you realize that the dresses they've been sending you are so incredibly awesome, that you have to think about not just your friends' personalities and what fit with them, but also about your views for this wedding and your conservative family views for this wedding. And I think that that's an okay way to approach it and say, you know, this time it isn't just me supporting you guys in in being yourselves, but it's it's having to kind of bridge the gap between your style and the family style and the wedding style. And I think that's an okay thing to have to explain. My sister had to do the same thing. She gave us free reign and then realized, oops, free reign was a little too much reign. I got to give them a little more direction. It's helpful. It's considerate. Your friends want to support you. Yes, they want to look good. Clearly, they are comfortable looking good in low low backs, low necks, all of it, and that's okay. But what I would say is that it's really fine for you to refine this a little further. What I would do is give examples. I was going to say, how do you help them? Yes. Oh, my goodness. How do you help put that conservative brain on? Exactly. You need to get some photos off the internet, you know, Pinterest, whatever it is. And I would literally do, we're going for this style, not this style. If it is a, you don't want any cleavage showing, I would make that really clear. Say, you know, we're just not going to go cleavage on on this run of dresses. So if you can find something that, that covers up the cleavage, that would be great. Or need no cleavage and no open back. And those are the things that start to let folks know exactly what they should be looking for. The images help them understand, oh, the dresses I was showing you are not in the category you would like them to be. Okay, got it. I can move over to this category and have a dress that looks more like this. Um, But I think it's fine. I would – I don't want to get into that. That would be helpful for me. (laughs) As I was reading this question, I was saying I I can understand what we're talking about, but – I'm going to throw this to Lizzie because she's going to have a better <laughs> idea about the specifics, about the details. So for me, and I'm sure that for other people out there, not just other men, it would be helpful to hear some of those details that that can help make those choices more explicit. Absolutely. So not wanting to be a bridezilla, who is definitely not a bridezilla, I would say have confidence that when you reach out to your friends and say, hey, guys, I just want to regroup on a tire. You're all picking fabulous dresses, but I realized I need to give you a little bit more direction. It's completely fine to ask for this. In hearing you talk about this, it's occurring to me that it might be helpful or useful or even important to acknowledge that you're asking your bridesmaids to consider someone else's perspective, that being really explicit about that request, that I know this might not be the decision you would make on your own, but I appreciate your willingness to take into account our, my, my family's, my future husband's family's thoughts or opinions about this is is really important to me. And it's an important part of me doing my job of helping you participate well in this important day. I love it. I love it. Don't want to be a bridezilla. We truly hope that this helps and have a wonderfully fun time planning your wedding. Absorb all of it. Enjoy all of it and have a wonderful, fabulous ceremony and reception in August. Jane has a new dress, too. Her skirt is made of layers and layers of pink and gray net. The waistline is longer for evening, too. Oh, very pretty and gay. Hold it out for us, Jane. No skimping on fabrics this season. Thank you for your questions, and please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, or you can leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Don't forget, you can program that number right into your phone so that we are right at your fingertips. 
You can also hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today's feedback begins, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. In response to the question about naming a sixth child, my family actually have friends where the father is a sixth and the son is a seventh. Not royalty, but rather a traditional family wanting to keep the family name going. Thanks for always delivering an entertaining and engaging podcast, Alan. I love it. Thank you, Alan, for sharing that. I want more, though. I want to know what the names are. I want to know why the family's kept it going. I want to know if they find any trouble with keeping it going. I just noticed Alan spelled the way we spell Alan in the Post family. Yes. Our next piece of feedback begins, Hi, y'all. My work moved offices, which gives me some extra time on my commute. And because it was Snowmageddon in Toronto today, I decided to walk instead of bike. I don't want to die. It gave me some time to fully catch up on the latest episodes, including the one where Hope was proposed to. What? Adorable! Also, when you, Dan, were talking about the glass mosaic, I think that's the word you were looking for, not collage. It was, yes. Yes, yes thank you. Lizzie made you one year so sweet. I am a pretty sappy person normally, but on my way to work in my sleep-dazed haze, I was pretty teary-eyed. Just wanted to let you know I appreciate your work as more than a podcast, but really a way that I feel connected to a larger community, even though I literally know no one who listens to every episode like I do. My friends and family listen to an episode here and there when I tell them to. I am constantly considering my actions now and thinking about the other person. See what I did there? Winky face. Ensuring I do not put anyone, including myself, in an awkward, unpleasant, or enjoyable situation. Happy February, my least favorite month, by far the worst for weather. Thank you for making it a little sweeter. Mercedes. Mercedes, thank you so much for that feedback. That sense of community that you're describing really is one of the the dreams and aspirations that Lizzie Post and I had for the show when we first started making it years ago. And thank you for the feedback on the collage or mosaic. You are right. That is what I was looking for. <laughs> and also, we were totally charmed and we're so excited to have Chris and Hope share that special moment on the show and with this community also. Thank you for being a part of it. Our final piece of feedback today... Dear Lizzie and Daniel, thank you for keeping the art of etiquette alive and relevant. I am fortunate that I had such a wonderful grandmother to teach me proper manners. Now that my grandmother has passed, I hold on to her 1955 9th edition, which she acquired in her 20s. Owning her copy feels as though I still have a piece of her with me and reminds me so much of my beloved Dardar. In April, I immediately purchased the 19th edition. I believe I was due for an update. My grandmother may have needed to know how to dress a lady's maid versus a chambermaid. However, I am not blessed with the same dilemmas. The 19th edition is appropriate and applicable for my era. Thank you for continuing to inform generations on the art and value of etiquette. Sarah. Sarah, thank you. And may I just say, 1955 and Emily was still talking about ladies' maid versus chambermaid. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad we've updated. We know that people connect the idea of etiquette with important people in their lives and how nice it must be to have a treasured artifact that makes concrete that connection and that tradition. I know. It's how we feel really connected to Emily is by having those very early editions that we know that she herself wrote. It's, it's, it really is amazing how an item can really preserve a memory and a connection. 
Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. Uh, Dan, um, I wrote in the show notes, help, pretty please. I'm sure I'll think of something by the show start tomorrow morning. I didn't. What have you come up with? Okay, so I was excited when I saw our show notes because I have been out and about in the world teaching etiquette for about a month now. Oh, so you're like ready to go with a poster of segment, like in hand, in hand. I am stand and deliver etiquette content ready. And y'all, this is why we are business partners. And I, I, the particular evolution that I've noticed in in the way that I've been talking about etiquette with audiences right now has to do with my call to action at the end of a talk where I like to summarize the, the messages that have been – whatever have been important for that particular group because each talk and event is a little bit different. And oftentimes we title our, our parting message in, in our business program something like the 24-7 professional. Yeah. It's about the importance of adopting these – these behaviors in all different areas of your life, that it's not just something you turn on and off when you walk through the door in the morning, when you walk out at the end of the day. And unfortunately, that message hasn't served me so well for this last month because not every audience I've been talking to has been a professional audience. Oh, right. Sometimes it's personal development. So I haven't been able to just go to some of my default messaging and thinking about etiquette and about how to challenge people to embrace these concepts broadly. Because what have you come up with? So I started off thinking about a way that my mother talks with parents and teachers when she's teaching our children's programs. And she's very explicit about an evolution that occurred in her thinking. When she titled her book for parents and teachers, she titled it The Gift of Good Manners. And when she talks about giving that gift to children, she talks to parents about how important it is that their first step isn't making decisions about what they're going to teach but about embracing core principles of consideration, respect, and honesty in their own lives. And she would – Tell parents it's important that you model these behaviors, that you model them all the time, that you make an effort to make them part of how you conduct yourself, not just something that you're teaching. And she stopped saying model these behaviors and she started saying be the parent that you want your kids to be, that there is no way to to hit the switch, to turn these things on and off, to decide at what moments they're important and what moments they aren't, that if you're really – embracing and internalizing the importance of consideration, respect, and honesty and how we deal with each other, treat each other, think and operate, that really these are things that apply all the time and that aren't 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 challenges or difficulties or hardships, but that they're joys and pleasures and ultimately they feel good. I was going to say, what you are getting at is so wonderful because it is such a gift to give someone peace of mind, ease of mind. And I feel like when I walk around and y'all know I am an emotional person and I am a quick to react person. This is just how I was born. This is how my brain and, and my mouth function together. And it's something I have to work on. And when I feel uh, grieved and frustrated out in the world and I'm wanting to show it and boy I can show it Dan's laughing on the other side of the mic right now I can show it it actually is a real gift to be able to temper that by saying wait a minute I don't have to show my emotion to get my point across or to be valid in my emotion that and I'm not saying you got to be a robot but I am saying that there are ways I can move forward when I think about 
a situation that I'm in and I can I can make a choice whether I am going to display all of that emotion or whether I am going to stop and use the etiquette tools I have in my back pocket to temper the emotion and get my point across. So I remember telling a story recently about where my dad and I were having a discussion about Christmas dinner. And I said, I wanted to let my emotion fly in that moment. And I recognized that I was doing that because I wanted him to see that it was emotional for me. And I later called him and said, I wish I could have done that without quite so much emotion, but I wanted you to see that it it was there. And the idea, though, that... The etiquette portion of it is a gift, and it's a gift because it gives me a choice to make in that moment. And I can walk around being a more calm individual. I can be an individual who understands that time will usually <laughs> let things iron out. Well, in that it's case, easier. maybe it was just the call afterwards yeah. that was the important part of the maybe, the consideration, maybe. the respect, and a certain amount of yeah. honesty about where you're coming from and why you react the way you react. It's not always business. It's not always about parenting. Nope. (laughs) My new parting message and the one that I want to share with everybody today is about courtesy today. Yeah. And that we do live in a world that's increasingly casual, informal, complex, that there's more and more to keep track of, more and more choices to be made about how we interact with each other all the time. We respect the individual. That means we're paying attention to a lot of different people's perspectives all the time. Absolutely. And even in Emily's day, when she tried to codify the behaviors that were expected in particular situations, this manual came out over 700 pages. And there is no way that you can have a manual that covers every expectation that you're going to encounter, oftentimes those expectations are pretty common sense. They're things that we know already, that the the process of learning etiquette isn't about memorizing 700-page manuals and multiple 700-page manuals. It's really more about a practice than a body of knowledge and that this idea that etiquette is something that you practice, it's something that you do, not something that you know, is really the, the the message that I'm trying to develop and and share consistently across all the different ways and platforms and, and to all the different types of audiences that I get to talk to. Etiquette is a practice. It's something we, we commit to and that we engage with, that we try to stay aware of. It's not just a, a body of knowledge. It's not something we know. It's something that we do. It's not a checklist. It's not a checklist. It is an attitude. And you know what I love, cuz? Is that as you were saying that, I was thinking about every person that writes into the show and says, I think about other people more now. I am considerate and kind and honest and respectful in my actions, or at least I try to be. It's a mindset. And I love that you are broadening it from our business program to our entire entire world of etiquette, all people, all interactions. So that's it. Courtesy today. (laughs) Just a small one, guys. Just a small one. I know, but something I've been thinking about. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you for taking some time with that this morning. And since people must depend upon one another, they have built up ways through the ages of getting along together. Our laws are one way of doing this. But just as important as laws are the rules and usages of courtesy and consideration, which we call good manners. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, our salute comes from Naomi. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Love the show. 
This salute is from a couple of years ago, but still a Thanksgiving story worth sharing. I would like to give an etiquette salute to my mother-in-law for helping me cope with Thanksgiving weekend and losing weight. About a month before Thanksgiving two years ago, I had just joined Weight Watchers and was avidly learning the goals and skills required to lose weight. My mother-in-law, in general, serves a robust meal with multiple courses, the salad chicken wings, and family favorite deli roll are served before there's even a hint of the main meat entree. And in the case of Thanksgiving, there is both the Thursday night dinner and the Friday night Sabbath dinner the next day. Before the weekend, a combination of my husband and I spoke to my mother-in-law over the phone and text to let her know of my disciplined plan for the upcoming weekend, how many appetizers I was allowing myself to have and on which days, when I was skipping a dessert or a salad, etc. She leapt at the opportunity to help, in addition to ensuring that I had the usual foods I liked, which she always does. She cut me up my own raw vegetables to snack on during the salad course and even understood when I asked to be excused early from the table Friday night, the self-control required to turn down food for multiple hours proving more challenging than I had expected. Two years later, I have lost almost 50 pounds on Weight Watchers, meaning I approached this past weekend in a very different headspace. We're talking about this past year's Thanksgiving now. In addition, this weekend was a much smaller get-together, but as I prepared to spend another Thanksgiving with my in-laws, I think incredibly fondly about the help and support I was given at the crucial beginning of my weight loss journey and how it has made every Thanksgiving since then feel super easy. Happy Thanksgiving to the entire Post family, and thanks again for a wonderful show. Best wishes, Naomi. Congratulations, Naomi. I love this salute. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's family support. It's helping people. It's not judging choices that people make for themselves and how they then affect you, but instead saying, oh my gosh, you're trying to do this? Why don't I make it easy on you? What? Are you kidding me? That's how families should be. That is family. It's host guest dancing. Seriously. It's family support. Seriously. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a voicemail or a text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And please help us out. You can become a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com or you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thank Chris. You, Chris.